All right. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. So let's go ahead and uh, let's read this. Let's stand together, read this word, uh, and then we will uh, begin to continue to walk through this doxology here at the end of the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, beginning verse 9, as Christ teaches us this about prayer. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Alright, you may be seated. So we're, uh, you know, we're walking through prayer, um, walking through sort of getting a a biblical picture of what of what prayer is, and to do that, we looked at the Lord's directions and what to pray for, what to ask, as we know that prayer uh, means ask, pray means ask, pray means ask in the Hebrew, pray means ask in the Greek, pray means ask in English. Uh, and so when you ask, the Lord says, you, you ask for this, and now here we are at the end of the Lord's Prayer, and we've got this doxology, doxology meaning words of praise, words of, of glory, and so we looked at, we looked at the commonality of kingdom, power, and glory and other doxologies throughout Scripture. It's been a common thing when praising God, when giving glory to God, to mention kingdom, power, uh, and glory, even attaching those to prayers. For example, like we saw with David who attached it at the beginning of his prayer, uh, the kingdom, power, and glory of the Lord. And then he prayed, uh, here we see uh, kingdom, power, and glory at the end of, uh, of prayer. Uh, we saw uh, two weeks ago the importance of the word for uh, the, the kingdom, the power, and the glory are tied back to these things that we're asking the Lord of, that these truths, God's kingdom, God's power, and God's glory, that that gives us the, the purpose for prayer. You know, I'm asking these things because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, uh, and it also gives us confidence in prayer. I know He can answer these things because He has the kingdom, the power, and uh, the glory. So then we looked at what the kingdom is. We saw that God has the kingdom, and because He has the kingdom, not just a kingdom, but the kingdom, He has the authority uh, to answer what we ask. He has the authority to answer what we ask. And then we looked at how God has the power, uh, which means He has the ability to answer what we ask. So we, we saw God's kingdom, uh, God's power, therefore God's authority and ability. Now let's, let's continue on. Lastly, what we're going to look at this week is His glory. Okay, so the last thing it says for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Thine is the glory. Uh, so, so let's talk about the glory day. Because God has, so we look at what it means because He has the power. Because He has the glory, God has the grandeur to answer what we ask. God has the grandeur. You could put splendor. You could put majesty, anything to grab what's getting across in using the word glory. I, I went with grandeur. I also, it was like grandeur and splendor, back and forth, trying to get which one I thought really, uh, really got it. Uh, uh, this here we see in the stuxology, God has the glory. That means he has the grandeur. He has the splendor to answer what we ask. This this last part is where this section gets its name, doxology, because this is uh, His glory. Doxology means words of glory, words of praise, and here we see, yours is the glory. We see the doxa. We see the doxa of the doxology. We see the glory of God mentioned here that makes this words of glory. So, what is the glory of God? If we were to talk about yours is the glory, 
What do we mean when we say the glory of God? And I'll tell you, to do that, we would be taking a deep dive uh, into what it means when we say the glory of God. Because it, it is such a, a major, major theme of the Bible, and as, you know, just developing these texts, I don't know if you've really got a biblical grasp of what it is. It's kind of like prayer. Uh, kind of like we talk about with prayer, like prayers all over the Bible. But when you ask people what prayer is, and it's not really attached to anything from the Bible, so I'll just sort of made up stuff about what they think prayer is, or what they heard about prayer, or, or something they learned when they were younger, or anything like that. I'm not really tied to, 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 the, to the Bible. Uh, but, and so as I started, you know, sort of digging into the the, the the glory of uh, the Lord, I thought, man, that's something we, we talk about a lot, right? Like a, like a good Reformed Baptist church, we talk about the glory of the Lord uh, a lot. But what is the glory of the Lord? And again, uh, if we went into that, that would be another pretty long study because there's a lot of scripture, a lot of uh, sort of self-made definitions or, or bad definitions of what God's glory is, what makes God glorious, uh, and so, as we're finishing up this study on prayer, I thought, we cannot go into what glory is now, because it'll be another year and a half uh, talking about the glory of God, just so that we can understand this last part of the doxology, which is part of prayer. So you're going to have to get a truncated uh, understanding of what the glory of the Lord is, but we're going to talk about it. Uh, we're going to, I don't know if we're going to we get done with Proverbs. We've got to get to Proverbs, right? So we've got to get to Proverbs, uh, and, and uh, we can't jump onto glory uh, right now. Uh, so, but I do want to give you some idea, just a, a sort of basic, you know, like preschool definition, elementary uh, definition of what uh, the Bible's talking about when it talks of God's glory. I mean, the easiest way to do that would just to be talking about the words that we translate as glory, right? The words that we translate as glory from the Hebrew and the Greek, see what those words mean, and maybe that can help us get a grasp on what is being uh, sort of meant when we talk about the, the glory of God. When it says thine is the doxa, when it says thine is the glory, what is God uh, uh, talking about? Because I think these can be helpful. Let's first talk about the word for glory in the Old Testament. The word for glory in the Old Testament is just a word that means weight. It's something that means heaviness. Like even, uh, like it's a word that was used when describing Pharaoh's heart, that God made Pharaoh's heart heavy, right? Against the things of God. He made it hard. It's that same word. I mean, that word carries the idea of weight, of, of weightiness, that something has weight to it. Someone's treasure, someone's value would seem to be the, the, the weight of it. Uh, so the, the, just this idea of weight. I mean, Paul's picking up on that. This is a, this is a, a good thing you don't catch if, if we don't know the, the Hebrew where Paul makes little plays on words. Uh, Paul's picking up on that in 2 Corinthians 4.17, uh, this connection between the Jewish word for weight and the Jewish word for glory in, in 2 Corinthians 4.17 when he talks about the weight of glory. Uh, because the Jewish word for glory is weight. Uh, so he's talking about this here and he talks about the weight of glory. And for the Jews reading that, I mean, they're doing all sorts of, they're making all those connections in their head and recognizing that, yeah, for them, the word weight was the word, uh, was the word glory. So this idea of weight, uh, weight, uh, you know, for a person being often attached to honor, that they're a weighty individual, they're, they're honorable, they're, this, is, this is not something light, they're not a person who is light or insubstantial, so glory is weight, glory is something that has mass to it, it's something that matters, it's something that is, that is 
heavy. So God's glory, God's praise is his weightiness. His, and that's why, his grandeur. It is the mightiness of God, but not necessarily attached to power, but attached to significance. That God, that God is, is splendid and weighty and, and, and thick. There's just a, there's a grandeur uh, to him. So that's sort of the, the Old Testament word for glory. The New Testament word for glory is a word associated with light or brightness. Not light in terms of weight, but light in terms of uh, luminescence, like uh, light or brightness. So in Acts chapter 22, verse 11, the word for glory that we get here in the Lord's Prayer we see that there. He says, and Paul's saying, I could not see because of the brightness of that light. So that word brightness is the word doxa, where we get the word uh, glory. So you can see that glory is attached in, uh, when using the Greek, it's, it's got this idea of brightness, of splendor, of shining, of luminescence, of, of a glory and a radiance to something or someone. So when you're, you're seeing this idea, idea in the New Testament, it is, uh, it, it, you're adding that idea of weight, this glorious, this bright, radiating weightiness of God. So God's glory is something that shines, something that, that radiates, something that is bright. Uh, so so that's, that's sort of the idea of uh, God's glory. You've got this weightiness to who He is that shines brightly. There is a splendor to God. His glory, we often maybe would think of it uh, similar to how we think of holiness. When we think of, like, when people see God's holiness, they can't even look at it, right? Uh, and as we're going about to get to in Exodus, when Moses is in the presence of God, he comes back, his face is just shining. Uh, just, the fact, just being in the mere presence of God, you can see the weightiness. What do people do when they're in the presence of God or even of the angel? It's just a weightiness that drives them to their knees. Uh, sometimes has very physical ramifications. Their bodies actually shine uh, because they've been close to his splendor. So when we talk about God's glory, those are the pictures I want you to have just at the base, most basic level. Again, we could build you know, brick upon brick upon brick of that, make a really good Lego set of what it means to be God's glory, but, but just at the basic level, it is a, there's a weightiness to God, a heaviness to who he is. And it is a, it is a bright, shining reality. God uh, is illuminated and illuminating. So that idea is, is kind of what I want you to get when you see the word or think about uh, his glory. Now let me make this, this brief aside into a, a, an aspect of the glory of, of God because I think it's important for confidence in prayer, which is that in Scripture, uh, I had to get at least one text in here, uh, in Scripture, God's glory is tied directly, not just to sort of his... Uh, the ontological weightiness, not just to his being, not just to who he is. He's, he's grand and weighty and he shines, but it's also tied to his goodness. Not just who he is, but what he does. Specifically, he ties his glory to his goodness. And we see this very clearly when he reveals his glory to Moses. Those of you who come on Wednesday night, you already, you already know about this. Uh, plug. Uh, but from, from Exodus 33, Exodus 33, 18 and 19, Moses said, please show me your glory. And he, that is God, said, I will make all my good pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. So Moses says, show me your glory. And God says, okay, I will, I will show you 
all of my good. So, so there we see that, that, that the glory of God is tied to his goodness. So when God shows Moses his glory, what does he show him? He shows him his goodness. He shows him how good he is. So you tie that into prayer and him having the glory, part of what is weighty about God, part of, of what shines about him, what makes him so grand and, and it gives us confidence in prayer is that this grand and splendid God is also good. The thing that is most glorious, if he's going to show us his glory, how, how could we ever understand his weightiness? We couldn't grasp his weightiness. How could we ever understand his splendor? If he showed us his splendor, we'd melt like raiders of the lost ark. So like, wh- what does he do? He shows us his good. He has his good pass before him to show him his, his glory. So you tie that into prayer and him having, uh, having the glory here. Uh, one of the things I, I teach people about getting through any situation is to remember two key truths because the Bible stresses these two truths out so often. One, God is in control, and two, God is good. Uh, so remembering those two things is going to be essential. We saw the in control part with the first two, His kingdom and His power. God has the kingdom, He has the authority. God has the power, He's got the ability. God is very much in control. His control cannot be in doubt. But in His glory, when we, when we see His glory, the most glorious thing we can see in Him is His goodness. So when we pray, we pray to a God who is in control. We pray to a God who is the one and only all-powerful being. But we also pray to a God who is good. And to have not just a, a God, but the God be good. And be good to us. We who, who are nobody, who are not weighty, should make us uh, stand in awe of having such a good Heavenly Father. Recognizing that glory, that that God, who has the kingdom, and who has the power, and who has that weight to Him, and that splendor to Him, is also good to us. Should give us great confidence, uh, at least in Him, uh, when, uh, when we pray. Uh, but God's glory, His, his praise, uh, as with His kingdom and with His, his power, it is not just our confidence in prayer. So when we talk about God's glory, it's not just meant to give us confidence when we pray, although it sh- very much should. God is good. So when you pray, remember, He has the kingdom, so He's got the authority to answer. Remember, He's got the power, so He's got the ability to answer. And remember, He's got the glory, which means He is good and will answer. But not only does it give us confidence, it also gives us our purpose. His kingdom, His power, His glory, it's not just our confidence in prayer, it's also our purpose. We are praying these things, and we want God to answer these requests that Jesus tells us to pray for, Because we care about His glory. We ask for these things because we care about His kingdom. We ask for these things because we care about His power. We ask for these things because we care about His glory. We seek God to answer our prayers, not merely or even chiefly uh, for our sake, but for the sake of His name above all. So God answering our prayers is going to do what? If God answers our prayers, what's that going to do? It's going to show Him as glorious. It's going to show that He is a God unlike any other God. 
So when you ask God to answer your prayers, you're saying, God, I want you to do these things and, and, and do this so that your, uh, your glory is seen. So, so God, I want you to holify your name. Why? Why do I want you to holify your name? Because I care about your glory. We ask God, God, give us our daily bread. Why? Because when God gives us our daily bread, He is seen as glorious. He's the only God who can take care of His people. The only God who feeds His people instead of asking His people to feed them. When we, when we ask God, to deliver us from evil. Why do we want Him to deliver us from evil? Because when He delivers His people from evil, His glory is seen. Because all the other gods are themselves evil. Right? They can't deliver their people from evil because they are the evil. So to have a God who delivers His people from evil is another thing that makes Him glorious. For there's no one or nothing else on earth that can do that. So when we go through these prayers, we're supposed, to, we're supposed to pray these things confidently because He's got the glory, but we're also supposed to pray them because His glory is our driving purpose. We care above all else on earth. And you, if I were to ask you this, in your life, if you were to end your life, no one knew anything about you, but at the end of your life, they, they thought more about your God. And they thought He was more glorious because they saw your life. Would you think, would you think your life was worth it? You'd say, yes. Yes, I would love it. At the end of my life, people praised God because of how I live. Even they don't ever remember my name. We know that's what we're supposed to do. We know that's how we're supposed to live. And here Christ, He's just, that's how we're supposed to pray. That's supposed to be our motivation for why we ask God what we ask for. It's because, God, we want, we want the world to see your glory. And when you do these things, your glory is seen amongst your people and in this world. So, uh, do this, God, for you. Answer these things, God, not for us, but for your name. And it again comes back to how the prayer even began. Father, holify your name. And if our desire really is that first prayer request for God to make His name holy, then we're going to ask all these things because what we care about chiefly in our life is God's glory and not just our story. What we care about is His name and not ours. What we care about is what people think about Him, not just what people think about us. Even when the people thinking about us is us. We care about Him and His glory. And that's what drives what we pray. So, so let your goodness be seen, God, in, in answering our needs. Let your glory be shown in, in delivering us from evil. Let your praise be multiplied as your kingdom spreads throughout the earth. Your kingdom come. And why do I want your kingdom come? So your praise will spread. So your glory will spread. That's why I want your kingdom come. Why do I want your will to be done? Because when your will is done, it shows just how glorious you are. Because there's no one else that can have their will done just because they want it done. No one else in all creation. No thing, no creature in heaven or on earth or under the earth can have their will done just because they want it done. But you can. And so when your will is done, God, your glory is seen. So do that. Every one of these requests must be tied back to our desire for His glory to be seen. God's glory, His name, is what drives our asking. It's what drives our prayers. In other words, we don't just see God's glory for our benefit, but for His. So we, we pray these things, these specific things, and, and Jesus tells us to ask for these things, ask for these things right here, and, and we do, or hopefully we do, hopefully we don't just sort of make up our own list all the time and never ask uh, for these seven things, but we ask for these specific things 
Why? Because we want Him to be praised. And we know that when God answers these seven specific things, He is very much praised. And we know from Scripture that when God does these things, He's praised not even just by His people, but by the nations. That even the outside world cannot help. We just read it in Deuteronomy where the nations are going, what nation has a God like this? And that's what we want. So we pray these things. We pray for His kingdom to come because we know when God does these things, He is praised, not just by His people, but by every creature in creation. That from Abraham to His people Israel, God has always said that that His work in His people is to show not just them, but to show the whole earth that there's no God but Yahweh. No real God but Yahweh. And so he does these things. He's always done these things. From, from, from the promises he made to Abraham, promises he made to his people Israel, over promises he made to David. He says, as I do these things, as I fulfill these things, the world is going to see me as God. And recognize that all the other gods of the nations are idols. And that all the other princes behind the thrones are demons. So when God holifies his name, among His people and through His people, the nations, when God does His will over all fallen kingdoms even, when God feeds His people, when He gives them their daily bread, when He delivers them from evil, when He forgives them of their sin, what happens? The whole of creation sees it and praises Him. The Bible tells us like we saw two weeks ago that praise is even pulled from the lips of those in darkness when God does those things. And that's what we, again, we saw it in Deuteronomy today. The nations are going, wow, no one is like that God. And if that is true, and if God's glory is our goal, then in our prayer, we must pray for these things to come, not just for our sake, but for the sake of God's name. All of our prayers should crescendo with this declaration of the glory that God deserves. We pray, we ask God, because you are glorious. We know it, that's our confidence. We want the world to know it, so that's our purpose. A high view of God will result in a high view of prayer. A man whose head is full of God will be a man whose lips are full of prayer. Why? Because we'll be asking these things. We'll be asking these things because we, we care about His name. If you care about God's name and glory, you don't pray less. You don't go, oh, I'm not going to ask for anything because I'm just worried about Him. No, if you care about God and His glory, you're going to pray more. You're going to ask more for His kingdom to come. You're going to ask more for His will to be done. You're going to ask more for His name to be holified. You're going to ask more for daily bread, not less. Because you're going to know when He feeds you daily bread, He's not just being nice and throwing, you know, uh, pennies to paupers here. He's showing His glory. That every bite of bread you get is not just something where He's patting you on the back of the head and saying, see how much I love you. Every bite of bread you get is showing how glorious He is. When we go in there and we eat our fellowship meal, that is a meal we eat that is a display of God's glory. You are eating from the table of the glory of the Lord. And as we, his people, gather around it to eat amongst it, we, the nations that once did not praise him, now praise fills our lips, and we gather together, we who were once not a people, but are now his people, and we gather around his table, that is a table of glory. Which is, again, why I encourage you, feast around it every Sunday. 
Because I do not promise you that Golden Corral can make that same promise. But in there, when we eat, we, we feast around a table of God's glory because He has given us our daily bread. Every one of these things, when He delivers you from evil, when you pray and you're facing temptation and, 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 and you don't succumb but you obey and you look at that and you go, wow, thank you God for equipment. He didn't just do that for your sake. He did it for His. There's no way you could have stood against evil without Him. You would have succumbed every time. But He was your fortress, He was your shield, and He was your sword. Every one of those answers to prayer is all for His glory. So if that's true and God gets glory when He does these things, what will we do? We will ask more and more and more. Because when He answers, He is made more glorious. The more He does, the more glory is seen. So a man whose head is full of God is a man whose lips are full of prayers because we know asking all these things, we ask Him for His name and we know that He can do them because we know who He is. So we obey so that God will be glorified and we pray, well, for the same reason. Pray so that God might be glorified. Actually, He commands you to pray uh, so the pray would itself also be an obedience. Why would He command you to ask? Why would he come and say, ask and ask for these things? Because he wants to make sure that we ask, for, ask like we should to bring him glory. And we ask for the things that will definitely bring him glory. So the doxology reminds us of that. The doxology reminds us of who our prayer is really about uh, and with it, who all prayer is really about. It is not about us. It's about him. So Jesus gives us a list of things to ask of God. But in the end, uh, they are really things we are asking for God. We're not asking them of God. We're asking them for God because these are all things, all those seven things are things that concern His kingdom, His power, and His glory. And God answering His press, God holifying His name, God bringing His kingdom, God doing His will, God feeding His people, God forgiving His people, God not leading His people into times of stretching, God delivering His people from evil and the evil one, God answering these prayers will in the ultimate show that He does indeed have the kingdom, the power, and the glory. So as God answers our prayer, He is showing the world His kingdom. He is showing the world His power. He is showing the world His glory. So Jesus commands us to ask for these things. Not for our sake ultimately, but for the sake of His name. And as His kingdom and His power and His glory are revealed, the good thing is, it is also going to make us more confident to keep asking for these things. To keep praying for these things. Because we will become more sure that He can answer them because we see all the times that He has. His kingdom, His power, His glory. Uh, Christian, that is not just our confidence in our prayer. Those things are our purpose for praying to begin with. So let's talk about a a few uses we can do uh, just with this last part of His being being the glory. Uh, One, you must pray because God is glorious. If God is glorious, you must pray. So, since God is glorious, you must be a people of praise. God's glory must drive the confidence of your prayers. You must be so in awe of God. He must, be, he must see Him as so grand, so mighty, so weighty, so splendid that you cannot help 
but pray. If, if God is all that He says He is, and if He is as good as He says He is, and if you believe what He says He is, then do you know what you'll do? You would pray to Him. You would ask Him for things. If you do not think God is great, or if you do not think God is good, then you will not pray. A meager prayer life is often a sign of a meager God. The smaller your prayer life, I could probably confidently say, the smaller your view of God. Because if your view of God is as big as we would confessionally say it is, you don't want to have a sovereign view of God and a sorry prayer life. They don't go together. If God be glorious, then we, like like moths to the flame, could not help but approach Him in our times of need. If He is indeed as splendid as the word glory implies, then we could not help but approach Him when we were living in the darkness or when our times became dark. To, To see what you think is glorious, to see if you think God is the most glorious thing, to see if you see Him as that shining light that draws you when everything around you seems so dark. And so who am I going to ask? Who am I going to be concerned? Let me ask you, where do you turn when you're in need? Where's the first place you turn? Because that's the brightest light to you. That's your greatest hope. So where do you turn? Is the first place you turn to your spouse? To try and and get them to fix it or fix you? And so you plead with them and you plead with them. Is the first place you turn to to a friend? Maybe you reach out to a friend to just tell them, oh, I really need this and I need that. And you're, you're, you're talking to, to, to friends or multiple friends. Or, or is it even to turn to a pastor? Turn to myself or to Zach? Maybe the first place you turn is to yourself and your own feelings. You get all wrapped up in those. Or are your eyes drawn instead? To the light of His glory. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The, the eyes of unbelievers might be blind to His glory. But God says here, He has opened your eyes. He has caused you to see the light. The light of what? The light of His glory. If God is glorious, then you must be a person of prayer. If you are not a person who prays, then your God must not be all that glorious. Do not worship an inglorious God. See the glory of God, or at least your view of the glory of God in your prayer life. If God be glorious, then you must be a people of prayer. Second thing, uh, you must pray, not just because God is glorious, you must pray because you want God to be seen as glorious by you and by others. So you're praying that God, this is the purpose of your prayer. So what, what drives you to pray? What makes you think, I need to pray? We saw how, how God's glory uh, and His kingdom and His power, like all those things are supposed to be the reason that we pray. Was that true for you? It's got to be. When you pray, what must drive why you're praying is you want the glory of God to be more clearly seen. So when you pray, why do you pray? What moves you to think at times, oh man, I really need to pray. 
I just got, this is, man, this is a time of prayer. We need to pray right now. I need to pray right now. What is it? Is it concerned for your life? Your name? Your situation? Your trials? Your difficulties? Or are you driven to pray because you are concerned about God and His name? Do you pray because you want Him to be seen as glorious through Him answering your prayers? I mean, how often are you moved to just ask for God's name to be holified? Not because things are going bad, but just because His is the glory. And so God, I'm just asking for you to holify your name because that's what I think the whole purpose of all of creation is. So God, do that. I'm not asking you to holify your name because I feel like some very unholy things are happening. I'm not happening for you to holify your name, asking you to holify your name because this is going on or that is going on. I am driven to ask you to holify your name because I know that's the purpose for everything. How often do you fall to your knees just asking for his kingdom to come more and more on earth? Are you driven to pray more in light of your will being done or his? What motivates you to pray? What gets you to pray? Do you become frustrated that things don't seem to be going your way? Or, or when you, you, know, you want to make sure that, uh, that, that they go the way you think they should go? Or are you more concerned that they're not going his way? Or you want them to go his way more and more? We must be driven to pray because we want God to be seen as glorious. That must be our motivation to prayer. Why am I praying? It needs to be because you want God's glory to be seen more and more, to cover the earth like waters cover the sea. That's what you want. And so you're motivated to pray, not just because your glory is in question, but because you want His glory to be seen everywhere at all times for all eternity. Uh, your prayer life must be Godward, not selfward. This leads into that. So you must pray uh, because God is glorious. You must pray because you want God to be seen as glorious. And your prayer life must be Godward, not selfward. Uh, again, who is your prayer life about? Is God the reason that you're praying or is it you? you must, we must pray more with God as our motivation than ourselves as our motivation. I, I, w- I want you to start looking at your prayer life and asking Why am I praying right now? The next time you go to pray, I want you to ask, why am I praying right now? What is my motivation for being here? What is my motivation for asking? Am I asking this for him or am I asking this for me? And if you realize the only reason I'm praying is not because I thought about God and was concerned, you know, thinking about God and his kingdom and his power and his glory. I was just motivated to pray. Motivated to ask him to feed your people, God, so the nations can see your glory. Deliver your people from evil, God, so, so people can see your kingdom. Now, no, 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 not even the evil one can, can harm your people. And instead you realize, the only time I ever pray is when it's about me. What I want you to do, if you realize, no, I only pray when it's about me. I only pray when things are bad for me or things are going on with me. What I want you to do, if, if your prayers are for you, I don't want you to stop asking God. I don't want you to stop praying. What I want you to do is, I want you to ask Him for His sake rather than yours. I mean, you're... Your request is a good one. Uh, after all, if you're asking what Jesus told you to ask for, like if you're asking for his kingdom to come, that's, you're not gonna, that's a good request. It's never going to be a bad request, even if you're only asking it for your own sake. But what I want you to do is change the why of you. Ask, if you realize the only reason I'm, I'm, I'm praying for his will to be done 
is because I feel like, uh, you know, this has been going on in, in my life and I'm really confused and I just want that. Or if it's, uh, deli- I'm only praying to be delivered from evil because I'm, I'm going through this one thing and not just all the time for his glory. If, if that's true and you realize your prayers are driven more about you than about him, I don't want you to stop praying. I just want you to ask him to change why you pray. And I want you to just, just change that prayer. In the middle of the prayer, just change it. Maybe you started praying with thoughts on you. Well, just fix it and make your thoughts about him. If you realize, oh man, I've been very selfish in my prayer life, just don't stop praying. Just switch the focus. Just in the middle of the prayer, confess, God, I was praying this for my sake and not yours, but now I pray it for your sake. I pray it for your name. I pray it for your kingdom. I pray it for your glory. I pray it for your power. Because you you and, and your name and your, your glory is what my very purpose in life is. So Father, please do these things. Do these things for you. And when they're done for you, you will do them for your children. I don't even have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about you doing this for me because you're a good God. We must be, uh, we must be a doxological people. This is the last thing. Just pulling from this doxology here. Uh, and we've still got the forever and amen to go, which we will get to next week. Into the ages and, and amen. But as Christians, we must be a doxological people, meaning we must be a people of praise. Uh, This is why it is so important for us when we sing songs of praise that we sing loudly and and not timidly, right? We want His his glory to shake our church and shake the heavenlies. We want the kingdoms of darkness who who, uh, are are seeking to uh, uh, attack us. We want them to hear the songs of his glory. We must be a people of praise in here and out there. We must be a doxological people. Uh, this doxology must be seen both in our prayers and out of it. Because God's glory and God's kingdom and God's power is meant to be forever on our tongue. Not just in prayer lives. And so, so if you want to add it to your prayer, great. Add add. For your, you know, for, for his kingdom and his power and his glory, add those things to every one of your prayers. It'd be awesome. Add them to the beginning, add them to the end, fine with it. But it needs to be a part of your life. His kingdom, his power, and his glory, doxology should be part of our lives. We see this in Psalm 145, 10 through 13. Listen to what God tells us. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds. I mean, this sets up right for, right for kingdom and power and glory. Uh, your mighty deeds to the children of man, the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all His words and kind in all His works. Here we see that we as saints, we as holy ones, are supposed to be a people who talk about His kingdom. We are meant to be a people This is what your people will do. Your people will be a people who talk about your kingdom. Your people will be a people who proclaim your power. 
Your people will be a people who tell their children and the children of all mankind about your glory. That's what will define your people. That's why I say we have to be a doxological people so it would make sense that the doxology would be tied to our prayers because doxology is supposed to be tied to everything we do. We must be a people of praise. We must be a people driven by God's glory. His kingdom, His power, His glory is meant to be the song of your life. May it fill your mouths as you sing and may it fill your mouths as you pray. Let's pray. We want to take a moment as the people of God to respond to the Word of God now. You might have felt conviction at some points. You might have felt the need even to confess sin at certain times. If there was any sin that you felt the need to confess of in the middle of the sermon and maybe you got distracted, you're listening to more things, you never stopped and confessed that sin. Uh, Confess whatever sin the Lord laid on your heart. Confess that now to Him. Whether it be that you you, you you haven't thought a lot about His glory. You haven't been driven by His glory. And maybe it's just confessing, God, if, if, if I thought you were glorious, I, I, would, I would pray, and I don't pray that often. So, God, help me to see you as so glorious that I pray more. Help, help your glory give me such confidence that I'm always going to you and asking these things. Maybe it's that you, 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 you haven't been praying because of Him. Your prayers have all been because of you. And so you'll pray the Lord's Prayer, but just when things are going bad for you. Not just because that's your prayer all day, every day. Because you're concerned for His kingdom and His power and His glory all day, every day. That's the purpose for your life, and so that's going to be what you pray. You're just not going to stop and pray when, when you need God to do things. The things you need God to do are for His kingdom, His power, and His glory to be seen. And so you're praying these things. You're, you're, you're asking for His name to be holified. You're asking for His kingdom to come. You're asking for His will to be done. You're asking Him to feed you. You're asking Him to forgive you. You're asking Him not to lead you in temptation. You're asking Him to deliver you. You're asking all of those things. Why? Because you want Him to be seen as more and more glorious. And when He answers those prayers in His people, His glory and His renown grows. And so you pray these things. Say, God, do these in my life. It'll be good for me. But ultimately, chiefly, it'll be good for you and for your name. Is that why you pray? Are you driven to pray because of your concern for Him? Or are you only driven to pray because you're concerned about you? The moments where you have this deep, deep felt prayer times, is it only when things are bad for you? Are you ever just driven to your knees because you want His kingdom to come? Because you want His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Because you want His name to be holified? So you just had to stop everything. Had to stop and pray for this. Because that's my concern. It must be. Your life must be so about God that even your prayers are about Him and not about you. It's not that we get to have our lives about God, but then we get to stop and make our prayers about us. Even our prayers are meant to be about Him. Driven for Him. They can be. And I'll tell you, Christian, if, if if you make them about Him. You'll pray more often. And let me, let me give you a little bit of encouragement. The more you pray, the more God answers. You know, the more you pray, you're not going to get less confident in your prayer life the, the, the more you ask. The more you ask, 
For these things, the more you'll see God answer them, because these things are His will, the more confidence you will get to pray even more. You'll see God do more and more and more. You'll see Him do these things. And His glory won't just grow among the nations. His glory will grow in your life and in your heart, which will cause you to pray even more and even more. It's a wonderful cycle to be on. But you've got to get on it. Has doxology been a part of your life? Is His kingdom, His power, and His glory a part of every day for you? Are you a people of praise? The thing that it said about the saints in Psalm 145, is that true about your life? Is that what you do with your life? He says the saints will do this. He says the saints will talk about His glory. It says the saints will talk about His kingdom. They'll talk about the splendor of His kingdom. They'll talk about His power. And they'll tell it to whom? To the children of man. To everybody. If there is a person who is a child of man, that is who you tell about. God and His kingdom and His power and His glory. Does that define your life? Is that, is that what you do? Or is your proclamation of His kingdom and His power and His glory limited to a 30-minute window on Sunday mornings? Are there children of men that live around you that you do not proclaim His glory to? Are you satisfied to just be a saint that proclaims it here? Instead of to everybody throughout all generations, we must be a people of praise. We must see God as so splendid and glorious that we cannot help but talk about Him. You are meant to be, we are meant to be a doxological people. A people of praise, a people of glory with words of praise and words of glory ever on our lips, both here and there. Some of us need to get better of them being on our lips here and some of us need to get better of them being on our lips there. But doxology must define who we are. Praise of God must define who we are. It defines His saints. Does it define you? So right now, pray. Ask God, God, help me to be a person of praise. Help me to be a person of your glory. Cannot help but talk about your kingdom. Cannot help but talk about your power. Cannot help but talk about your, your, your glory. That that would be the song of your life. Let's steal from Psalms. That would be the song of your life. Father, we come to you this morning because, God, you are these things. We come to you and not to anybody else. We come to your throne to ask these because yours is the kingdom. We come to you because yours is the power. And we come to you because yours is is the glory, Father. And because of that, God, right now, as we all bow before you, we ask for you to work these things in us, Father. If there is anywhere in these texts that we are not obedient to you, in heart or in action, Father, please, please make these things true of us, God, because we do care about your glory. Help us to understand your glory. Even if, even if, even if the, it, would, it would just melt us to know it, Father, help us to understand your weightiness. Help us to understand your splendor. Help us to understand your grandeur. There's no one like you. Please, Father, help us because there's no one else that can teach us these things, God. There's no one else that can teach us these truths. We need you through your spirit to teach us, oh, Father, please, even right now amongst us. It's a little church and a little nowhere, Father, but yet your children. Please, God, teach us these things. Help us, God, to be a people of praise that it would motivate everything we do, even, even our prayer lives, that we would pray because you are our chief concern. 
Not that we would not care for ourselves, but we would not be our chief concern, that you, you and your name would be what drives us to pray and to pray these things all the time, every day. Please, Father, work that in us. Again, we, we ask you because you're the only one who can. We are part of your kingdom. We've seen your power at work in us, and we ask that you do it even more so that your glory might be seen even more in our church and in our lives. Please, Father, do this for your name. It would certainly be for our good because your glory is so, so good. So be good to us, Father. Let us see your glory so we might be driven to, to ask for your sake and not just for ourselves. Please, Father, help us to be a people of glory, a people of praise to you. That we would proclaim these things to everybody, everywhere. Please, Father. It's in Christ's name we ask this. Amen.